and welcome to uh, the Tales of Faith podcast. Um, welcome back to us because we have been skiving off for a couple weeks. Mardi Gras, y'all, those who don't live in uh, Louisiana or the Gulf Coast don't really quite realize just how uh, um, invasive, invasive <laughs> Mardi Gras is, uh, especially to calendars of uh spent most of my ministry in places where in like you know january february you just kind of like coast a little bit yeah no that doesn't happen here so but we are in uh the season of lent uh this is narrative lectionary 232 for february 25th Uh, we're going to be talking about mark chapter 10 verses 32 to 52 is kind of our focus for today. I am joined by my spectacular co-host, Louise. Hello. Who's not feeling super great, so she's... Nor the cops. <laughs> so we may have some some interruptions, but yeah, it'll be fine. How are you today? Good. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that. Except for that. Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> All right, um, we'll go ahead and, um, yeah, take this bit by bit and go on through. I'll do the first bit and then sort of set the context for where we are. Um, And I am going to be reading out of the New Revised Standard Version updated edition. So just FYI. All right. So they, Jesus and his disciples, were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, Look, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be headed over, handed over, to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. Um, So this is, so it's Jesus and his disciples, plus the sort of crowd that has gathered around him. This is immediately after our scripture from last week. He's kind of on his way into Jerusalem. Um, and this is the third time he's giving specifically his disciples, the 12, this warning about exactly what's going to happen when they get there. Um, and the end of our pericope today goes immediately into the triumphal entry. So we're like at Jerusalem, headed towards Jerusalem. Um, and just a reminder of what the sort of political context looks like. Because um, I think that's really important for this scripture in particular, um, for this section, is these are people who for the last hundred years or so have been living in their ancestral land, which has been occupied by a foreign, violent, oppressive regime. Um, so there are definitely some overtones to marching on Jerusalem, right? There, uh, It's not a violent revolution type situation, but there 
they're going with this leader who they they uh, many people are talking about as the messiah the anointed one the expectation of a kingdom he's been talking about a kingdom a kingdom of the skies a kingdom of heaven um but there's definitely some sort of uh overtones and mark specifically brings that out when he said when the gospel says here um that the people were following they were amazed and those who followed were afraid. There's there's definitely some sort of um, tension in today's text. Um, and he reminds them of what's going to happen. That we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man, again, using that the human one, uh, but also that sort of title that's that comes from or is seen in in Daniel's apocalyptic visions, things like that, will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit him upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. So, thoughts, comments. Not particularly, um, not on this bit. It's kind of short and sweet, and we know what he's getting at. I mean, this is one of those where hindsight is twenty twenty. We know what's happening, so I imagine that this was far more um, revelatory at the time. Right. But I think for us today, other than saying, other than seeing in it Jesus's predictions that, of course, mm -hmm. come true, it's. I don't mine a lot out of it. Yeah, right. Um, I think in general, there's the sort of clear sightedness of, you know, I know exactly what's going to happen when right. we get here. Um, and going, it's it's a purposeful. Um, this is not going to be fun. This is not going to be exciting, um, but we're going to go anyways. So I think that's that's helpful. Um, and, uh, this gospel doesn't give us, it just, there's that comment. Um, and where is it? Luke's gospel, I think is we get that, the extra, um, that they just didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> like they right. did not comprehend what he was saying, but that's not given here, but our next uh, our right. next story next kind of sells that. <laughs> um, notably, uh, this next one, this next story is not in Luke. So that's that's kind of the way that Luke deals with that. Um, but yeah, we get to the next one, uh, which is verse 35 to 45. Do you want me to read? Sure. Okay. I mean, if you want to read. No. Okay, good. that's what I figured. Um, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And he said to them, what is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, appoint us to sit one at the, your right hand and one at your left in your glory. <coughs> but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. 
And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to appoint, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Instead, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So we have the sons of Zebedee, James and John, asking for special favor in this new kingdom that Jesus is going to be setting up. Um, clearly, they have missed. Missed the point. <laughs> yeah. He's just said, hey, we're going to Jerusalem and the son of man, which is me, is going to be killed. And they go, okay, yeah, that's nice. And when you get your throne... Give us the, you know, the places of, of highest sort of leadership, most trusted advisors. Yeah, this always, it just always struck me, struck me as like, you know, when your toddler comes up and it's like, I want to do what I want to do and you have to say yes to whatever I want to do. Right. <laughs> and the parent's like, oh, huh, okay, yeah, what is it that you want to do? Yeah, no, you're not going to get to do that because that's not good for you. That is a bad thing. Um, you know, I just see Jesus with that smile going, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. yeah, what is it? Um, but it is that, like, we often do not know what is good for us. Mm -hmm. We ask for things because they sound good. And then when we get them, we realize they are not, in fact, good for us. Um, or if we're truly attuned, then we real then when we ask for things that are not good for us, if we are attuned to God and to his will, we can understand why we are told no. Right. Well, and, and this response is, is kind of, you have no idea what you're asking yeah. for. You think you're asking for this thing, but it's actually something entirely different, um, which is also part of it. Like we ask, <laughs> sometimes maybe if we're in the right mindset, we ask for God's will, but then we also secretly know exactly what, God's will should be. We already told God what that should what, be. What like, clearly, I want this option. Yeah. Um, but your will be done as long as it's the one that I want. <laughs> um, and it doesn't doesn't work that way. Um, yeah. And there's. Um, I also just think, um, did you guys not, you know, the story of Joseph? Remember when he told his brothers all about being jealousy and all this like y'all oh that's an interesting connection i hadn't i hadn't made that that the 10 are upset yeah that's there's a very similar yeah connection to joseph's dreams and him hey let me tell you about these dreams yeah, yeah. <coughs> and heightened by they called them brothers no just the 10 when the yeah. 10 heard this um interesting yeah, I like that. 
I was also looking and um, so as I mentioned, Luke's gospel doesn't have this section, but Matthew's does, but it's not James and John. It's their mother who comes to him, which is interesting. Um, um, as far as critical scholarship goes, the suggestion is, is Mark was probably written first. So this is original and then Matthew would have changed it for a reason. So that's more, that's something we can talk about when we're on Matthew. Oh. But just something to to know. Answer this. All right. So he asks, you know, are you really able to do the thing that you're asking? Do you really know what you're you're doing? And again, I, this this strikes me as the toddler as well. Just like, oh yeah, oh we could yeah. definitely do it. We'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be easy. I can climb that ladder. I can go down that slide. Um, I can definitely climb all the way up to the top and then come all the way down the slide. Oh, wait. Um, yeah, and then, but I mean, ultimately he says, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and the mm -hmm. baptism with which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant. Um, and that's definitely a hindsighty sort of yeah. thing looking at um we don't have any sort of direct writings about where how james and john end their life but it's um i'm pretty sure pretty gruesome um and certainly uh the this sort of image of right and left is going to be brought back up again with the at the cross with two mm -hmm. criminals at his side. Um, mm. Very much that sort of counter counter image that this throne um, is a cross. Yeah. And the 10 are angry with James and John. And I love that that sort of connection to Joseph's brothers. And Jesus diffuses it, right? Don't, don't be mad at them. They're, they're not, they don't understand. Frankly, it, right? they're stupid and don't get it. So. <laughs> right. Don't worry about it, guys. These are the sons of thunder. I did not hire them for their brains. Um, and then this, sort of message right you know that among the gentiles those whom they recognize as rulers lord it over them calling to mind this sort of um and their, their great ones are tyrants over them like the the ways that we form as humans who do we hold up as leaders um in some cultures and some communities it's you know it's the biggest and the baddest and the you know, the most violent. It's the people who can get their way. It's the people who manipulate. It's the people who have power and money and influence. And like, it's all of those sorts of things. But it is not so among you. Instead, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. 
Whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all. Um, and in some ways, I think we're coming out of a period of time when the church has been used to some of those more um, imperial trappings, those sort of those power structures and prestige as the church. And we are now living into a time when that's not as much the case, a sort of decline of institutionalism and institutions. And some of our institutions are having a real hard time with it. Yeah. Um, living into a different paradigm, but the paradigm is here presented. Jesus says, no, <laughs> you are here to serve. And when we get away from serving one another, then we're not doing kingdom of God stuff. We're doing other things. Right. Um, yeah, that you can look at this as uh, on a personal as well as uh, church-wide context. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking within church leadership as well, mm -hmm. just like thinking about, you know, those who want to be on church leadership. Are you doing it for this reason to serve the church or are you doing it for prestige within the church and mm -hmm. to be, you know, are you really serving? Right. Or are you taking over? Are you are you making it what you want it to be? And what kind of um, tools do we use? Mm -hmm. Right? Do we use those tools of manipulation? Do we use those tools of, you know, like those political machinations of, oh, let me get this person on my side and then yeah. let's, let's rile these people up and let me, you know, that sort of stuff. And absolutely we use those things in congregations and the church yeah. um but it's i would argue not the the healthiest ways of being no um, and i think i mean you know that's one of the within the presbyterian church you know the um but the election of elders right um but it is not so that you as an elder go around and listen to what everybody else wants and then you vote accordingly it is so that you you as an elder are now empowered to do what you think is god is right. calling you've been called to, to discern the will of christ um, together in a in a community um yeah and it's not for it's it's for others this is very <laughs> much that sort of um, move that Paul would make is is like don't don't care as much about yourself, care about others. Yeah, um, it's being the servant. For the Son of Man came not to serve, to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Um, came not to be served, but to serve. That I always think of. Have you seen the meme where it's it's Jesus like breakdancing in front of a bunch of priests. And it's, it's like the son of man came not to serve, but to be not to be served, but to serve. It's hilarious. Anyways, <laughs> I have not. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I will share it. It is. It is it it's a funny blog. one. Um, but uh, 
but this giving uh, his life a ransom for many, um, which certainly when Mark is written has some overtones to uh, Maccabees, this sort of idea of, of someone giving their life for, for this, making this great change. And then, it, like as as Christian theology and understanding has has progressed is much more um, on this the the death of Jesus being um, a pivotal moment. Yeah. All right. So called to a different type of leadership, which is hard to hard to handle sometimes um, and to be called back to that servant leadership yeah um, and and also to train our communities not only to be servant leaders but to that that's their expectation um, because there's a reason why the strong man, metaphorically, but usually it's a man, uh, <laughs> does well, right? The person right. who comes in and says, I've got all the answers. I'm going to, you know. Here's exactly what you should do. Here's, that, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Here's, here's a simple. Uh, he, those people are all the problem. It's not us. So we need to get rid of those people. You know, it's... um. And we see that in politics. We see that in churches where people come in and say, yep, yeah, we've, you know, here, buy this program, buy this curriculum, and you're going to, everything's going to be better. Or, um, you know, that one pastor or that one, whatever it is, that's mm -hmm. going to make everything program. program. Yeah. It's going to make everything good. It's going to make everything easy. It's going to make everything so you don't have to do anything hard. Um, and that's the other thing that we're coming out of a season where there's an expectation for ease mm. of Christianity, right? Um, which historically is not is is a very recent sort of <laughs> expectation. Right. Um, but hopefully, coming into a place where in a sort of postmodern world, we have to be Christian on purpose, <coughs> right? We right. have to be the church on purpose. Um, we have to listen to where the spirit is leading us instead of rowing, uh, you know, doing everything under our own power. Yeah. Um, Cause that just, it has worked. Hasn't been, I mean, there have been good some good things about it, but there have also been some unhealthy things about it. So, yeah, shifting paradigms. Always difficult, and we're in the, uh, you know, 500-year transition. Every 500 years, the uh, this is a Phyllis Tickle, but she stole it from somebody else, um, that every 500 years there's the church, the Western world, the Latin world has a 500 year or a, a giant rummage sale <laughs> and gets rid of all of this stuff. And there's a wholehearted change 
the last one was the Protestant Reformation, and before that there was the Great Schism, and before that there was the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, before that there was Jesus, and then you know back into like the 500 years before that was the Babylonian exile, and 500 years before that was you know like there's there are these huge giant cultural changes in the Western world every 500 years. And yeah, we're, we're, we're just there. Yeah. We're doing it. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Bartimaeus. So this is 46 to 52. They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Um, so yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, the, there's some really interesting imagery going on here where the, there's the blind man who is seeing things more clearly than mm -hmm. everybody else. Um, because again, we've been told that this crowd that's following Jesus is nervous. They're worried. Um, and filling in the blanks, it's, it's probably because of this messiah, uh, this Messiah thing. He's coming into Jerusalem as the sort of, at least some of the people are thinking he's coming to, to become the new King to take over everything. And that that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, walking into Selma. That is, you know, a renewal movement walking, you know, like an indigenous movement coming into um, into the state capital or Washington, D.C. This is, you know, uh, a big march in Gaza. It's a big march in Hong Kong. It's a big march in Ukraine. It's like there are some real political, you know, Tiananmen Square. It's like there are some real political sort of overtones to this that they're worried about. And Bartimaeus is over here using the, this title, Son of David, which is directly not only messianic, but specifically that sort of like, you are the future king. You're the one who is the, you know, descendant of David, the great king, you know. It's he's using this like really charged language. So it makes sense that people are like, oh, you, you know, like, cool it, man. Shut up. Um, 
but that he's the one that's willing to say this. And how often it's those that are on the margins that maybe say the things that we need to hear the most. Um, the people that when we hear what they say, we, there's something in us that just says, be quiet, like don't say the, the quiet part out loud, right? Um, but he cries out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. There's that aspect of this story. Thoughts on that at all? Um, no, I just I, I I've always pictured this as as a very um, I see Bartimaeus filled with joy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so, and it's that it's always sort of struck me as the, oh, don't, don't go to Jesus like that. It's mm. those people saying, that's not the right way. Yeah. Right? Calling and screaming and yelling. That's, no, that's not orderly. That's not nice. That's not decent. Like, you gotta wait your turn. He'll come to you if he's ready. Right. Sit down, be quiet and wait. And he is not having any of it. Yeah. Um, and I just think like in in our own lives that idea that we we are called to seek out Jesus however we feel called to do mm, that. Yeah. Right? We are called to call him more loudly when people tell mm. us to be quiet. Um and that's sort of there's an overtone there of sort of self what what is that called? Um self advocacy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I need this thing. And yeah. there's um, recognizing our need for for Jesus and recognizing that our needs are important to mm -hmm. God. Um sometimes I think we get so caught up in the um the servanthood aspect which is mm -hmm. important sure but that we also forget that god wants to fill us wants to fill our needs wants to heal us wants to forgive us we need to go after those things too mm. and we need to yeah. respect ourselves enough to realize that god wants to give us what he has for us that is a great correction on the the servant thing um because yeah there's there is great danger and yeah. that is that is a a piece of scripture that has been weaponized certainly right the sort of like be quiet you need to be a servant um from someone with power again a way that the uh, the gentiles lorded over each other right i'm in i'm in charge i'm a white straight male you have to listen to me or whatever it is. Let's be honest. It's a white straight male um, saying you need to be a servant, like shut up, be quiet, get back in your place, get back in the kitchen, get back in the whatever. We don't want to deal with your joy. We don't want to deal with your self-advocacy. We don't want to deal with it. Like, yeah, you're too, 
disruptive, you're too whatever. Yeah. Um, well, and this is a person that is in need of healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much like we go back to the woman, we mm-hmm. go back to the child, you know, we go back to all of these times when Jesus has healed. And quite often the person asking for healing is being told to wait, to stop, to not, to be quiet, to sit down, to back off. You're not supposed to be in society by all of these other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it is only through our tenacity of all of continuing to shout louder, mm-hmm. right? Continuing to go out when we aren't supposed to, continuing yeah. to go on to the house even though we've been told that our daughter is dead. Yeah. You know, to 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 follow Jesus, not Jesus's followers. Yep. Because they are not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we as Jesus followers need to learn to follow Jesus and yeah. to call those people mm-hmm. and not tell them to be quiet, mm-hmm. to, to lift them up, to say, oh, you need healing? Okay, let me pray for you. Mm-hmm. You need healing? Let me, let me introduce you to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, let me help you get your medicine. Let mm-hmm. me feed you. Let me... You know, that's where we are servants. Yeah. Um, let me clothe you because I follow Jesus and mm-hmm. Jesus told me I should help clothe you. Yep. Let me help you get housing because Je- I follow Jesus. Jesus told me we should take care of. Yep. You know, that is the true servanthood. Mm-hmm. But the people telling us to be servants as a way to keep us down and oppressed, um, you know, that is what often happens to people who are truly seeking Jesus out of need. Um, yeah. And, and I love this, my teacher. Mm. He, he immediately claims him. Claims him. Mm. He is my teacher. He is not teacher. He's not rabbi. He is mm-hmm. my teacher. And I think that that is a. I think that is Rabbi. Or, yeah, yeah, it is. But rabbi. it's not. But it's a. It's a. It's a personal. Yeah. Claim. Rabuni. Um. Yeah. And then he asks for what he needs. Mm-hmm. Um. And Jesus asks what he needs. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing because it's not. There are times maybe where we look at that and we obviously you need this, right? Um, and there's there's something powerful in him asking, and that's something we we have learned I think from the history of of mission and things like that. That there there have been times when we, as the Western Church especially, have done. Re- deep, deep harm because we come in and say, you obviously need this. Right. Um, and places where not only it is more successful, but mission actually happens are the times when we come in and say, and listen to a community and say, what, what are you, what do you need? What are your struggles? Um, what, how can we come alongside you not tell you what you need and then do it, but how yeah. could we actually help? Um, it's a it's a humanization. And I think, you know, there is there is a um you know, we were talking about self-advocacy earlier, mm-hmm. there is that tendency to then 
to let that go into prosperity gospel. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not, Jesus wants to fulfill our needs. We need to be cautious of what our needs actually are. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, not our wants, not our, but what do we need? We need Jesus, mm. right? Um, we need a house. We, we need housing, right? We need food. We need air. Those are our needs. Do we want a five-bedroom mansion? Maybe. But what you might get is an apartment, right? But you've got housing. So I feel like you're saying that I don't, as a pastor, need a private jet. And right. I, Right. I'm, I'm Even not if it sure. makes travel a little easier. Right. <laughs> <sighs> but I mean, that's where, you know, we can get caught up in that prosperity gospel. We, and, yeah. and, and that, that idea of God wanting for us, I think is, is in there, but what he wants to fulfill are our needs so yeah. that we can then go out and fulfill others' mm -hmm. needs and go out and, and be those serpents. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It is that idea that you can't set yourself on fire to, to, you know, keep someone else warm, right? You yeah, need right. to have food in order to then feed other people. Mm -hmm. He wants to fulfill our needs, which is, you know, it's the food metaphor. Like he, mm -hmm. we need to be based in scripture so that we can then go out mm -hmm. and help others understand the scripture. Mm -hmm. um, but to not get so caught up into that, that idea that we, that we swing the pendulum into, well, God just wants me to have everything. Mm -hmm. No, right. that's not. That's not what I'm getting at here when, when I talk about self-advocacy. Daily bread. <laughs> yeah. But to not be so, but to also not be so self-deprecating that mm -hmm. you forget that you are loved. Mm -hmm. You are important. You are worthy. Um, I think that the... You have a right a, to ask. Yeah. There's been a great deal of damage done mm -hmm. to self-esteem and to people because we have been told for so long that we are just dirty, awful sinners and unworthy and, Absolutely. you know, and reclaiming that we are children of God. Mm -hmm. He loves us. We are worthy of that. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Sure. Do we need to seek forgiveness? Yes. Do we need to try to be better? Yes. But the, you know, this claiming of my teacher, mm -hmm. claiming God as claiming him as ours um, or as personal to us, mm -hmm. I think is important. Well, and also riffing off of that, the, um, sometimes that dehumanization that comes along with, um, like folks who, who look at, uh, sort of ableist theology, mm -hmm. um, and interpretation would remind us that there's we might make assumptions about like Bartimaeus is missing something because he does not have sight. And yet the, the text here is very clear. Like he sees maybe better than everybody else. Um, it's not that he's missing something right. that he's less than human because he cannot see. He is no less in need of healing. Um, and that, yeah, we do we dehumanize people in saying, you know, there's something wrong with you. Right. Especially when we're saying, um, 
like maybe, maybe there's the sort of, we're all sinners and broken. That's right. one thing. But if it's say, you know, queer folks are less than, they're inherently sinful, they are broken, they are dangerous in the bathroom and sh should be beaten to death. Um, like that's not helpful. That is not scriptural. Um, and we see in Jesus this, you know, call him over here, right? What do you want? What do you need? And the joy that you mentioned, I think, is really apparent here. He throws off his clock, uh, whatever that thing is called, cloak. He springs up to come to Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, Let me see again. Um, in the sort of from a more I don't know, literary standpoint, looking at Mark's gospel, um, the beginning of this section started with another blind man who is healed. Um, and it's a weird one in the in the gospel of Mark. I think it's the only place that uh, Mark, Mark is the only one that has this story or there's this man who is blind and he asked for Jesus healing. And this is the one where he spits and makes right. mud and he puts it in his eyes. And the man, he said, you know, can you see? And he says, I can kind of see, but people look like trees walking around. Um, and so he washes it again and then he can see. So it's this sort of like, well, yeah, he became, he, he was able to see, but it's also like this kind of like, Mm, kind of you were trying it, it didn't quite work out the way that um like it wasn't sort of fully uh realized and now at the end of this section it is immediately he can fully see everything is fine which yeah. is sort of this literary um cue that okay we've we started this section with this now we're seeing much more clearly, right? right? Now we see exactly what's going to happen. And now we go into the last section going into Jerusalem. So that's, that's an interesting sort of yeah. aspect of this as well. Book end of the section. Yeah. Right. Um, because, you know, there's, there were no chapters and verses. There were no headings of healing blind Bartimaeus. Right. Um, you know, so those literary cues to say, oh, okay, we're we're now coming into a new section. And then the funny thing that I kind of referenced, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Uh, Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Right. So it's son of Timaeus, son of Timaeus. <laughs> so, okay. Um, Robert's son, son of Robert. Um And interesting that he is no, he is named. I don't right. Know what the, when so many so others are not. Get, yeah. The the man that just came to Jesus asking how he, he can attert, he can gain eternal life is not named. Um, which is also interesting, right? Because this is a man who we find out at the end is um, has many possessions, seems to have sort of a, a lot of things going for him. But this guy who was a blind man who's sitting on the side of the, the road in, in Jericho, uh, we get his name. 
It's just just an interesting sort of thing. All right. Anything else? No, I don't think so. Okay. So, um, I'm struck by, I really like your contrast or, or sort of holding up simultaneously this idea of, yes, we need to be servants, but also self-advocacy and that sort of finding that balance that there are some who need to hear, you need to like be a servant. You are really in the mindset of, you know, the leaders of this world, you need to be, you, you need to have a different sort of way of being. Um, you need to find some humility, but others have been told that their entire life. Yeah. And the message for them is, no, you need to stand up. Like you need to own your own humanity and not be um, silenced. Ask for what you need. Yeah, um, I think I'll probably go slightly less nuanced as I'll be talking to children. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm torn between what I think is probably going to be the main point of Sunday school, which is, um, you know, learning to be a servant and that. Um, and joyfully... throwing off our cloaks and going to Jesus. Like mm. those, those are two things that are kind of in my, yeah, in my head. It'll be one of those. Yeah. It'll be somewhere, somewhere in those two things. Yeah. And I may find a way to link them together, but, um, you know. I'm also likely going to spend some time on this sort of just the context of coming into Jerusalem, um, and sort of the overtones of that. Um, cause that's something that we don't, it may not immediately pick up on right um that there's there are some real um there's danger in the air here yeah um and jesus is going clear-eyed into it while these people who are following him are nervous they're worried about what's going to happen to him um partially because he says very specifically like really bad things are going to happen to me yeah um and just so much of i think living in this era of church so much is motivated by fear and so much is motivated by self-preservation and not wanting to um make the wrong people mad and and all of those sorts of things and jesus is displaying a, a different way of doing things yeah um and and bartimaeus uh one thing that was that came to mind when you were talking about that was um the uh letter from birmingham jail martin luther king jr talking about the timing and some it was it's in response if you don't happen to know um a, he was in birmingham jail obviously um, <laughs> 
And he gets a letter from a bunch of primarily white pastors saying, hey, we we like the idea, but, you know, the way that you're going about this and your timing and, you know, like give us some more time and all that sort of stuff. And the response is like, hey, <laughs> no. You've had time. Right? There's Yeah, we have been talking about this for a really, really long time. And... Yeah, I need to stand up and say, son of David, um, have mercy on me, right? There, There is a point at which you need to just stand up and say the things that are uncomfortable and that need to be heard. And that continues, right? You know, we saw Black Lives Matter, that same sort of cry for justice that has not been... Um, sort of received or or put into practice as well as we would hope um resurging again um that there's that advocacy and that um there are times to stand up and start times to say say things that are not comfortable so yeah Anything else that you can think of? Nope. Cool. I think that's good. Awesome. Um, next week, who knows what we're actually going to do. We're going to try to <laughs> do uh, uh, another podcast. But next week, just so we are aware, I'm looking it up. Of it. Um, we have Parable of the Tenants. So, okay, I was going to say, we must get away from this for a while. Yeah, so we're going to skip over, yeah, Sunday. right. We're going to skip over the actual triumphal entry. We'll be in Mark 12, 1 to 12, and then optional 13 to 17. So that's parable of the tenants and then taxes paid to Caesar. So either both of those or one of those, or uh, I have not decided which one, how, uh, how many toes I want to step on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time. All right.